What's up, Banana Bunch? Welcome back to the Jungle Gyms Podcast. You know what? I got a wild one for you this week. I am really excited. You can tell from my tone of voice already, but I've got two big interviews that I literally cannot wait to share with you. But I'm going to have to a little bit because i got some stuff to say first. But this week is the first of our big seafood spectaculars, right? Part one. I know I've teased this for a little while on the show. Unless you're new to the show and this is your first episode, well, what a great one to jump in on. But I'm finally dropping what I'm considering the first part and what I hope becomes a series for the show. Our seafood specialist, Ross, is on a whole other level (laughs) with his knowledge and passion for seafood. You're going to learn so much information that you will later probably use on dates. You're welcome. I'm also joined today by legendary comedian Tony Woods, and I cannot wait for you to hear the extended interview Jungle and I did with him. But first, you know what time it is. That's right. It's review time, baby. All right. I had a goal of hitting 100 reviews by the end of this month, which is December. Okay, 2021. Let's be very specific in case you're listening in the future. Like, oh, Mark has goals. And you know what? We're so close. I can taste it, literally. And it tastes good. See, reviews and downloads help us sit in the almighty Apple Podcast ratings. Now, I may be steering the ship on a top 100 food podcast. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? But you can imagine that I'm in competition with some huge shows that have been around for years and years and already have thousands of reviews. So this means I need your help. A short review of this show keeps us winning. And guess what? It's free to do. If you want to support a show that you love like this one, hit us with a review on Apple Podcasts and make sure that you subscribe to the show, download the show, and share it with your friends. One of my biggest personal goals for 2022 is to not hear anyone say to me, Jungle Gyms has a podcast? I don't know why they have that weird voice either. That sounds like a personal problem. But of course, we have a podcast. We have everything. You know what? And all of it's great. Speaking of things that we have a lot of, we have some job openings, and I want to invite you all to be a part of the jungle with me. Not in the podcast room. I'm not personally hiring, but the store in general, this would be very clear before it turns into a weird free-for-all. You're going to hear more details about this in coming episodes, and honestly, even today, you're going to get a teaser of how we headhunt people from all over the world. And that's not a joke either. I know for a fact that we have listeners all over the world right now. I can even see what countries you're listening to or what states in the U.S. you're listening from. Maybe you have a passion for food or a special skill set, and if so, we want to meet you. I'm, I'm being serious about this. Shoot me a line at podcast@junglegyms.com. In the meantime, if you heard this and said to yourself, well, I want to be a part of that crazy place, and guess what? I'll get you connected. Sound good? Great. Okay, so first up today, let's chat with Tony Woods. And if you're saying, Mark, legendary comedian, Tony Woods, tell me about him. Well, they say that there are two types of comedians. Those who say funny things and those who say things funny. I kind of feel like Tony's both. Watching a master of the craft like this perform is something you rarely get to see, right? And knowing that he has mentored so many great comedians over the years makes so much sense. The guy is just consistently, effortlessly funny. Now, if you want to pause the show real fast and get a quick sense of Tony's work, one of my favorite recent pieces can be seen on Netflix on the also hilarious Tiffany Haddish's show called They Ready. I thankfully got to see Tony once again at one of the best comedy clubs in the country that just so happens to be right down the road from us here at the jungle called Go Bananas Comedy Club. 
And when I saw Tony and he talked about going on the Joe Rogan experience in a few weeks, I figured, I was like, you know what? We gotta ask this guy in. I felt like tying him in with the seafood episode was a good idea as well, because while he was here, we spent a bunch of time touring the store and playing around with these like 30-ish pound lobsters with Ross, who again, you're gonna meet right after this segment. Anyway, I also had Jungle come down and join me because he's always a great time, and I thought that we could both learn a little bit about the world of comedy. I mean, where else but Jungle Gyms would you find a world-class comedian hanging out in a podcast studio? Yeah, nowhere. Jungle Gyms. That's what we do. Anyway, Tony, thank you so much for your time, man. Thank you for coming in, and let me kick this off with what might sound like kind of a basic question, but how did you know you were funny? I didn't know. You didn't know. I didn't know. As some, as a matter of fact, someone told me. You know, you know. I know you're the same way. You talk to somebody. Sometimes they'll laugh, but every once in a while, you talk to somebody. You'll say something, and they won't laugh. They'll just go. That was funny. That was funny. Like that. They'll say that was funny. Like, like they won't laugh. They just go. That was funny. Like you'll say something, whatever it may be, and they'll just go. That was funny. Like, like they instead of laughing, yeah, they'll just give you like, like, like it's like they're pointing you in a direction. Like, yo, you gotta follow that. You have to do more of that. You know, how you see, like you might see a three year old and he pick up something. You're like, whoo, he's gonna be strong. <laughs> like that, you know, he's he's no bigger than the rest of the three year olds, yeah. but he's just it's something about him, something. And when I was in the navy, a buddy of mine, he's and to me he was old and wise because he was thirty. I was I was 18. He was telling me how he had been all over the world. He wore an earring. This is in the 80s. He wore an earring. And in the Navy, you can only wear an earring if you've sailed all seven seas. Because you can actually wear an earring with your uniform. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so which made him like, woo, real cool. Right. And he was just 30. But back then, I thought that was like 80. So <laughs> he, said, he says, I've traveled all over. And he's telling me his favorite comedians. And uh, it was all... You know, like Robin Williams, Richard Pryor. It was like, you know, Bill Cosby. It was like comedians. Big, yeah. And he says, and you. I'm like, what? <laughs> he says, and you. I'm like, you think I'm a... I said, no, I never said you were as funny as them stupid. What I said was, <laughs> you're, you're, you're funny like them. And, and if you keep going, something... And as uh, he... So he would always say, you got to do it. And anyway, he... Sign me up for open mic in Washington, D.C. Sign me up for this amateur comedian night and everything. He says, go down there. He says, I know a guy. This is gonna, they'll put your name on the list, and you're going to probably pick a number. Blah, just, blah, blah. just like that, cold. Just like that. And I went, because he, he knew people. This guy knew people. And um, I, I go down there. I, I, you know, do everything I'm supposed to do. And all, that was my very first comedy show. So everybody was funny. It, you know, <clears throat> Everybody, because they had been doing it for a while. Yeah. Everybody was funny. And I remember they called my name and they said, Tony Woods. They go, next we got a new guy. And everybody clapping it up because they want to see that, you know. Right. <laughs> Here comes the Christians, Lions. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they just said, uh, Tony Woods. And I just kind of, when I did what everybody else did, I started clapping my hands and looking around for who was this guy who's about, who was this guy going out there? Yeah, I'm like, no, and I didn't go out. So, Went back to work the next day, and everybody goes, how'd it go? I'm like, yeah, it was cool. I killed it. Except him. He goes, so, why didn't you go? 
I'm like, I, 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 I went. He goes, no, you, no, you did. didn't. You no, didn't you didn't. He's like, he's like, he's you, just, you didn't go? Yeah, I, I went, but I, I didn't go up. Because yeah, right. to me, those guys were the, it was my first comedy I, show hey, ever. I and know. when, yeah, and when you see it packaged. I know. Like, you can know somebody funny. I know. When you go to a comedy club and you see it packaged, and the, and the package is supposed to be in, and like, like, be funny as you can for five minutes. And they do that. And you're like, ooh, I can't do that. You know, you can joke around every once in a while. And then once you get up there, you realize five minutes is a very long time. Yeah. That was the same. This is my mom calling me. I'm going to hit you back, Ma. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's like when, when you bo- I've tried boxing in the Navy. Mm-mm. Those those are two minute rounds. Yeah. And at first, like two minutes. That's a long time. That's a long time. Especially <laughs> with somebody with somebody whooping your ass. That's a long time. But, but did did you when 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 you didn't go up? What happened? When did you it go, took me, go back in? Because I went back in three years later. Same thing happened to me. Yeah. And I was a young kid. Yeah. I was working buying produce. You know what I mean. And I was hustling, and Bob Cassidy, the guy that owns the Reds and all that stuff, he asked me to go speak, you know, at this convention. Yeah. Pro's convention. Same way, man. I just, I was scared to death. Mm -hmm. I was scared to death. And I looked at that position way back then. I was a young kid. I said, if I would have taken that and run with it, I mean, you know, that would have opened up a whole new field. But then after he asked me and I turned him down, I kind of went from the top of the list to, yes. you know, the, no, he never treated me different, but it was just, I missed an opportunity there because, man, sure, I was so afraid yes. to get up in front of people and talk. Now, I mean, I was terrified. But I want to ask you one more thing. I'm leaving. No, I'm leaving. I got to tell you about my first time. What? Because my first time wasn't until three years later. and You put up with him like this. You got to listen to him all the time. Okay, but listen. This All right, is, go ahead. So just like you, I put myself in a situation. So I didn't, I didn't go up, and I, and I kept saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it next time. Oh, I'm going to do it this time. So three years later, I'm telling my wife, my ex-wife, and I'm like, uh, I'm going to go down there and do it. And I, and I, did the same, I did the same thing. I went in there, and, and it's three years later. My confidence is a little better, but these guys – Damn, seemed like they got funnier, right? <laughs> Same guy, <laughs> and they called my name, and I didn't go up. Same thing, but I would tell my ex-wife that me and buddy of mine were going down, so we would go down on Thursday night, sign up, watch maybe about a half an hour of comedy, and then go to ladies' night at this at this club we used to go to, just go hang out, and it was like a pass. I come in on on. Uh, Late on Thursday night and Friday morning, she would always go, how was it? I'm like, it was pretty good. She said, what did you talk about? So I would repeat one of the jokes or one of the bits that I heard. And and do that. She, and she would say that, that's, hmm, that's pretty funny. Like that. And I know that when, when somebody goes, that's why that guy had you to do that. Because he said to himself, that's pretty funny. I want you to speak. And and it's one of them things It's. it's it's scary. It's it's not like when someone laughs at something funny that you say. It's 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 like they stop what they're doing and go. That was funny. See, I don't get that point. Yeah. you. I I, yeah. Feel like I mean I, yeah. I understand. He goes now that now that's funny. Yeah. So with all these comedian shows, 
Well, how do they get the people clapping? Do they turn up something? Is that all fake? No, no, they're making them laugh. And 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 so so here's what happened with me. My ex-wife started to tell people that I'm doing comedy. <laughs> She's telling everybody I'm doing comedy, and I'm like, don't don't tell it. I don't want everyone to know because I wasn't doing comedy. Yeah, I was, I was not only lying lying to her, but I was really really lying to myself about not doing. It. And then. And then I remember, and it was the third Thursday in May, and she said, the executives are going out of town on a business trip. I don't have to work tomorrow, so I'm going to go with you tonight to the comedy club. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All, all day long, this is me. Writing stuff down, writing stuff down. Ah, that's no good. Uh, writing stuff down. So... That whole day was just horrible. So, so with, with my buddy who used to go with me, he says, look, remember you talked about this? Remember you talked about that? Just don't do that, do that. Oh, yeah, 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 that'll work out. That'll work out. How do we know it's going to be five minutes long? He said, man, don't worry about that. You, 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 right, you wing it. Because it's not him. It's me who has to go up there. But anyway, so me, him, and her, we'll go down there for the first time. And even the MC said it. He goes, we got the the... the the infamous new guy again, because I would always put my name on. Listen, never go up. And it says Tony Woods, and I stood up, right, and he looked at me like he he looked at me like I see you here all the time. So, but now it's like you you, and that was the longest walk to that stage. I got on stage, and I remember I couldn't remember anything I had written down, and I said, "Hey, you guys look good." Hey, you guys smell good. And then some guy in the front goes, hey, look, his leg is shaking. Because my leg was shaking. And he was laughing. And I'm like, hey, your stomach is shaking. And, and everybody laughed. And I go, but don't worry about it. I said, hey, dude, I used to be fat, too. I was a whopping 70 pounds, which made everybody laugh. I said, because I was this tall. And boom, and the rest just came from God. And I just started talking about when I set my mom's bed on fire by accident and then and then and then i remember that light came on it was like um, and you, usually that means wrap it up you're like okay thanks guys blah blah blah, blah. i just said i'm tony Woods. good night so really i probably did like four minutes like yeah maybe three and a half because you get five and and i would say what do you want your light i didn't even know what that meant at that time. Like they say, what do you want your light? So you say, give me my light at three minutes. That means I know I got two minutes to wrap up. Some guys say, oh, give oh, me oh, one they minute. They signal you. They yes. signal you like, had, like you know, a literal so light. So you know what's yeah. going on so yeah. you know where, where you're at. Right? Yeah, it was it was basically a shop talk. I didn't know. And he goes, right. he says, what do you want your light? I'm like, right in front. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. okay, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so when the when the light came on, man, I, I just said, "Good night." My name is Tony. I said, "My name is Tony." Was good night, and whoop, came off, and everybody's like clapping and cheering, and it was a it was a rush like no other. And then uh, that was short lived. Maybe that was maybe ten minutes of glory for me. And then my ex wife said, "Now listen." You're funnier than a lot of these guys, and some of these guys have been using your material. <laughs> no, that's just, and she said, you need to go back there, because all the real comedians were hanging in the back. You need to go back there and talk to them about paying you. Hmm? <laughs> 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 and to this day, me and this guy, Andy Evans, we call him like the godfather of comedy in D.C., 
I mean, he he I, he says I'll never forget it because I walked up. I'm like, I was like, oh, I was like, yeah, man, what's up, man? How do I get paid in here? He goes, huh? He, I didn't know he was just fucking with me. He goes, um, what, what um, what you? I, I said, yeah, I said, yeah, man, how do, yeah, man, how do I get, how do I get, how do I get paid in here? He goes, he says, oh, yeah, hold on, stay right here. I got the guy because you were just up there, right? I'm like, yeah. He says. First time, right? I'm like, yeah, I'm, so, I'm all happy. He said, oh, man. He said, I got the guy. Stay right here. I'm going to go get the guy. He, he goes, he gets all the comedians. He says, and they're all like, what's up? And that's back when you could still smoke inside. They go, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Looking at me. And he goes, tell him what you told me. I said, I was just, um, I was just wondering how I could, uh, and he goes, no, that's not what you said. <laughs> he, just, <laughs> he said, you came up and you grabbed me in the car. Says, hey, man, how I get my money here, son? Like that. And I was like, no, I didn't. And they all was like, whoa, he did this. <laughs> and then they all, they all laughed and everything because this is my first time. And then this other guy, fat doctor, rest his soul, he passed away now. He says, he says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was that you who just left? He said, man, what, what's your name again? I said, Tony Woods. I was so happy. He goes, man, I'm going to tell you something. See what you did up there tonight? I said, yeah. He says, do that about 500 more times and then come back and see us. See if and walk off. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, was like the, it was the best and worst first day in comedy ever. <laughs> And then I go back to sit with her, and she and she sitting down with her. She says, "So what did they say?" She says, "Because whatever you said, they're still laughing. Yes. <laughs> they, were, no, no. they were all laughing and pointing at me from across the room. They going like, they like, want to see, want to see something, Jim. See that guy right there? It's the first time." And, and so I'm over there. I'm trying to pretend I don't, I'm not looking. I don't want to. <laughs> that's all they were doing. We're laughing. Like, Look, it's stupid. <laughs> I'm going to let you guys go. I'm going to go. It's really nice. And, and we're going to. Really nice meeting you. And good luck with everything. Thank you, sir. And it's, and it's never too late to start so comedy. comedy. You got good taste. Yes. <laughs> Talk about food. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jungle. All right, Mr. Jim. And and you know, in London, there's a comedian, yeah, who has a bit where the teacher called him Jungle Jim. Really? So the bit was so funny. I've all that's as a matter of fact, me and him call each other either JJ or Jungle Jim. That's hilarious. Or Jim or just Jim. And then the the bit. His name is Slim. The bit is about when he was little and he was on the schoolyard. You know, he's English. I think, what do they call it, schoolyard? Probably. Yeah, playground, schoolyard. It's, they change it every year for us, honestly. Now, I mean, for them over over in England, they they it's the same thing but a different name. Like, we call, we would call it the playground, the schoolyard. Right. They have a different name. And whatever, him and, his, him, him and his little girl were playing, and, and, and she was a white girl, and they were doing something, and she fell down. So... He's trying. He's trying to help her out. He says, and the schoolmaster came over. You know, he said, he said, he said, he said, what did you do, Jungle Jim? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like boom. He was just being. He was being racially insulting to him without him knowing it. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Because he, because he was like, because when he said it to his to his to his dad, he says he called you what? He said, 
And then of course the, the school guy says, yeah, well, he plays on the jungle gym all yeah. the time. Yeah. Right <laughs> <of shit. laughs> yeah, it's, it's all good. Hey, how y'all doing? Can they hear? They can't. Yeah. So we're working. That's the next part of the project. Right, so, yeah. but they'll come watch, sit in the right. first class seating for everybody. I love it though. So it, it's a hostage situation yeah. right now. Um, yeah. So thank you for meeting my demands. No, man. I uh, look in, in, I, I told you before we were recording, like I've come to see you for probably the last decade at least mm. and go bananas. Like I always love coming you through, seeing you come through and everything. And it was interesting to me in like doing some of my research once you agreed to come in. Okay. So thanks again. Uh, no, I, I, you know, I, every time I look you up, it's always like mentor, mentor. And so, you know, we've heard how you've helped shepherd so many other great comedians, obviously Ohio native Dave Chappelle, for example. Mm -hmm. but, but one of the things I was really curious about is like, who was a mentor to you? You mentioned that I think was it was it Andy Evans before was the no it's Andy Evans just I don't know I I don't think I I just kind of I don't know well there's a guy in, in DC his name is Chris Paul his radio personality mm -hmm. him and uh, him and another guy named Huggy Lowdown yeah and I remember once he said he said that I was from no school of thought because I just kind of come out he <laughs> just kind of <laughs> just kind of do it but he also said what other comedians find super difficult mm -hmm. is 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 easy easy and breathing for you but what everybody else considers simple yeah it's an impossible task for me <laughs> yeah yeah so it's um i guess stuff like writing a joke or, or setting it up you know what they they say set up joke punchline mm -hmm. i would i wouldn't know how to do that if it i don't know how to do i just talk and it just happens you know yeah. <laughs> so and then just simply right you know like when people go okay what material are you gonna do I'm like I don't know I haven't gotten there yet yeah like what you know what are you gonna talk about I'm, sometimes I have no idea I had no idea we we're gonna we we're gonna talk about Charles Dickens last night I was into it though yeah I was into it too I was yeah. in the moment and a dead ass looked like the picture. I mean, when we pulled the picture yeah. of the show, it was great. So, I love it. It was like a little bit of interaction, too. Yeah, it was a lot of interaction because I was, yeah, wasn't nobody there. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things I always like coming about, like the first, you know, like the midweek shows, I feel like they're always like a little quieter. But I like it because to me, I feel like I get to see the most unfiltered versions yeah. of the comics, right? Where yeah. I like, in, you know, and. I know I've known you for what, like a few hours now, but like to me, I kind of got that vibe where I was like, oh, I think I have a better understanding of who he is. And yes. how his thought process works better than I probably would on a Friday. Because or if it was a, a Friday or Saturday with a big, thick audience, you're just going to do the stick right. and be done with it. But last night, it was just some friends sitting around in the living room drinking too much yeah. and uh, talking. I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. I've always get, what do you, I got to ask this, man. Like, when you see, we had that couple in the front that looked like they were having the worst time of their lives. I always, I, every time I'm at a comedy show, there's always that one couple who's just like, yeah. they hate you comedy, more, they went. You are more focused on them than the other 100 people who are laughing right. their asses off. It, it could be, it could be a thousand people laughing their ass off and right in the front. Right in <laughs> they the They always get placed there too. It's somebody in the front just sitting there with his arms crossed. <laughs> Just had a rough day and a rough life or some, and he want to just, why are you here? My right, <laughs> yeah, dude, I mean, that, that was how I kept thinking. I was yeah. like, literally, why? why? You, and I always am so curious about that from like a weird, just, you know, outside standpoint where I'm like, I came to the comedy show because I'm excited to laugh. And I feel like you'll see those people who I'm like, 
you just don't seem excited to be anywhere. Yeah. Know? Well, what it is is they they were on a blind date, and I think he was thinking she's old. Yeah. Because she looked like maybe three or four years older than right. him. Right, enough, yeah, because he said he was like 19 or something like that, 20 years he, old. He said, yeah, he said it with confidence. I'm 20. Like <laughs> <laughs> next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she, and she was like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, like she, right? Yeah, because she could say she's maybe like she, maybe twenty four, twenty five. Sure, she was, seemed like she was having fun. She was having fun, and she was embarrassed that he was not having fun. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, it wasn't working. Shit happens. I imagine you've seen different waves and styles of comedy. And one of the things I kept thinking about was like, what is it like to see comedy evolve over time? Right? Like, and and I keep thinking about how I call it the TikTokification of yeah. things. Right? Like. Like when I first started comedy, the top guys, this was the pace. So, folks, how you doing? All right. It's good to be here. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, you ever notice about that was the pace. Right. All the observational kind of shit. Yeah. Right? And then and then maybe in the 90s, kind of everybody got more comfortable, got cooler. And comedians have been working on the road. And you didn't have to just go out there and do your stick. You could actually you could actually talk to people and people were actually coming to see you. They didn't come to see a comic. They came to see you and your personality and 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 your hang-ups and your shortcomings and your yeah, all your good stuff. And they so you could be you could really be yourself then. Yeah. And so now with with us oh, I, I would say us older comedians being filmed and stuff. Mm-hmm. And as your natural self, that means these new guys don't have to come out. They can be a version of a natural self. It's not even really them. It, it be it's influenced by your natural self and this and that. And and, and then so they they come out and it's or and 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 now there's all these new ways they can get famous on Instagram or Tickety Talk right. or something like that. And people rush out to go see them. It's oh, like my son goes, Dad, you got to go see such and such. He's so funny. Oh, man. I'm like, well, I, I don't know him. So you got to know him. Everybody knows he got like X amount of followers. And then they'll show me his stuff. And I say, what you don't understand? I say, yeah, this is funny. And he said, Dad, you're not going to tell me. You can tell me this guy ain't funny. I'm like, he is funny. But yeah. watch this. Watch this. And it's funny. It's funny. It's funny. Woo. Yeah. Woo. That was 30 seconds. That was 30 seconds. Right. He said, but he's got like 10 of them up. Right? And I'm like, and look at him. <laughs> Together, he ain't got five minutes. Right. But people are lined up to see him perform for up to an hour. I always wonder what those shows would be like. You know, uh-huh. and I guess that's me showing my age a little bit yeah. too, because I'm just like, what are they gonna do? And then is it like, are they hiring writers? You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. where my head goes immediately. I'm like, yeah. And I guess that's half of it, right? You kind of like cheat code your Dude, way I into drove, the game. I drove by the DC Improv one night on a Tuesday night. Yeah. I'm lying down the street. I'm like, what the? So I, I park, I go inside, I'm like, what's up? And the door is open. And I hear, I hear a bit. I'm like, oh, that's my girl. I got to go in and see her. Awesome. And, I, and, and one of the waitresses says, um, I didn't even think you knew her. What you mean you think I knew her? We done been on tour together and everything. Because yeah. I'm thinking it's some more. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. It was not some more. Because really? I'm thinking if anybody's going to have a club, if anybody's going to have a line down the street on a Tuesday night, it's going to be some more. Right. But I heard well, I heard some more's material come out of the club. Come out of the the room, same cadence, same everything. Oh. It didn't change a thing. Same joke, same. And I'm like, yeah, and I I walk in. I'm like, who is that? Right. Who, yeah. who who is that? And I remember I walked back out to the bar. I told the manager, I'm like, yo, dude, I thought that was some more. So you're going to hit some other people you know if you go back in there. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, come on, son. But that was another little internet sensation. But, I mean, it's been working for her because she's in movies and TV, all kind of stuff. No kidding. Yeah, I ain't going to say her name. Let's right. keep moving. <laughs> Is there a favorite country that you like to perform in outside of the U.S.? I guess I would say um, Amsterdam and Australia. Yeah. Um. I'm, oh, and well, you said the whole—not the whole country of Holland, but I like Amsterdam and I like Rotterdam, and uh, it's a couple other cities there. Yeah, but see, in in the, in the Netherlands, first of all, Dutch is English, French, and German mixed together. Oh, cool. Yes, and um, they speak English very well, and they get all American television. Oh, cool. So they got a guy from England who flies, a comedian from England can fly, it's not even an hour, two, two hour flight. And they understand me better than they understand him. Because they don't get English television. That makes sense. And like, it's it's funny when you hear them speak English and they always have like a, a LA kind of accent. Because that's what they watch TV. Yeah. They watch American TV. You that's know. so funny though. Yeah. Probably a quick way to learn. And I was always sort of curious about that with like how comedy would translate internationally mm. there. So it, it's cool to always hear mm. that, you know, every time I'm like, oh, you're always traveling around somewhere yeah. interesting. It's amazing. It's I. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you enjoy life on the road at all or no? Or I this, used to. Yeah. Yeah. Like um when the pandemic first started, <laughs> everybody was like, Man, I know you can't wait to get back on the road. I'm like, I'm good. I'm Just all right. I'm, I'm good. I told somebody, I said, do you know this is the first time in over 30 years I've slept in the same bed for more than a month? Wow. Yeah, I'm like. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I, but that's like, I didn't miss it. So I, I watched my luggage get all dusty, just sat there. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think that the first trip I was going somewhere, I'm like, so how do I do this again? <laughs> I had to pack and. You know, did I bring up this and bring it up? I'm like, I don't even know how to travel no more. Good. You got to relearn it. Now, right? Relearn it. I look stupid in the airport. <laughs> Any upcoming projects you've got that you want to push? Uh, yeah. Speaking of podcasts, I'm supposed to be on the Joe Rogan podcast on the 28th of December. Uh, Congratulations. That's going to be amazing. No, this is amazing right here, man. Oh, thank you so much. We'll get to the Joe Rogan bridge. When, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Is what I meant to say. <laughs> Didn't sound as good. We'll cut back and and uh, I think I think uh, the beginning of next year, I think Dave Chappelle is going to produce a special for me. I don't know what. What do you, what are you supposed to say? Uh, I don't know what platform it's going to be on. Sure, but he's supposed to. We have, we have been chatting about it. I love it. 
And uh, what else is coming up? You just had one on Netflix this year, right? Like the uh, with yeah. Tiffany Haddish, right? Tiffany Haddish. She's great too. Yeah, that's my girl, man. She's cool. And uh, let me see. I know it's oh yeah, I have something like every month or every other month called Tony Woods and Friends that I do. I'm gonna do one at the DC Improv. If anybody's gonna be in the DC Improv area around the 29th. Now remember that's the 28th, Austin, Texas. 29th, Washington, DC. Yeah. Yeah, well, brush up on the travel skills, man. Ah, yeah, <laughs> man. That's gonna be a long flight. So woof, woof. Thanks so much, This again. is Tony Woods. God bless you all. And he's gonna say something now, but I think I cut him off by accident. <laughs> I, you, I'm stepping on you all day, man. No, yeah. thank you so much. Seriously, man. I thank really appreciate you, your time. Tony, thank you again. I am truly honored that you joined me on the show. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your kindness. I really, really appreciated this opportunity. And the next time you're in town, I'll supply the lobsters. Just pick smaller ones, please. Speaking of giant lobsters, though, I can't wait for you all to meet Ross. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we look for talent in our stores from all over the world. And I love hearing the story about how Jungle and company headhunted Ross and brought him to the Midwest, a place that's not really known for its bodies of water or fresh seafood. I think that this kind of thing is one of the many cool and unique things about Jungle Gym. So again, keep that in mind if you're listening to the show right now and going, damn, I wanna work there, because we'd love to have you. Anyway, with that in mind, let me blow yours by introducing you to the seafood master himself. That's my title for him, probably not his. He probably has a cooler one. But meet Ross. Before we dive like too deep in this, because I have a feeling this is going to be one of my favorite interviews of the year, although I keep saying that every time. But it just means that they're getting more and more excited as we go. Uh, Tell me about yourself, man. Like, uh, How did you start in the world of seafood? (laughs) Well, I started... um when I was young, I, when I was 12, um, my my next door neighbor was the lobsterman. My uncle was the lobsterman. And I, I lived with my grandparents on the farm. And they're old, super old school. Mm-hmm. So I that's how I got my first job. My grandfather made me work as a stern man on a lobster boat. I'd, I'd bait lobster bags. And Sweet. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, all summer vacation. Yeah. Just, you know, banding lobsters, doing all that. And then all my money I'd give to him. And that was my lunch money, my school clothes, and, and shit, my first set of golf clubs, everything, yeah. you know, all growing up. And then as I got older and, and, and a little bit more freedom, you know, I, I remember riding my bike because we lived right on the ocean mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah, where were you? Searsport, Maine. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So I, I'd ride my bike right to the ocean, and at low tide I'd dig clams and pick mussels off the rocks, and I'd, <laughs> I'd have a five-gallon <laughs> bucket on each handlebar. And I'd ride them back to my grandmother. She'd cook them up for dinner. And then at high tide, I would ride my bike back, and then I'd catch mackerel. And then once I got able to stay out at nighttime, yeah. um, then I'd use the mackerel at night on the causeway for bait for striper fishing and catch the big stripers. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's my life. I eat, breathe, and sleep seafood. Um, it's, it's a passion, and, and same thing with my family and, and my kids, my wife. It's, it's how everything started um i went to the marine corps mm-hmm. got out and then um i worked for a really big like oil company yep making a lot of money sure and i hated the people i worked with i could not it was that'll like, do it oh my god <laughs> it was like going to school every day right so at the end i said you know hey money's not everything yeah I'm, i i love seafood i'm gonna do what i want so i went uh, there's this giant gigantic seafood company 
that uh, I went and said, hey, my name's Ross. Um, I, I don't know if you're hiring or not, but I'd love to work for you, and I'll prove myself. I'll, I'll work from the ground up, do whatever it takes. And I started for $10 an hour. And at the end of the at the end of the, the fall, I said, "Shit, I know money's not everything, but I don't know if I can pay my bills." Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and the owner, I remember, he's he's a great guy. He he came in and it was like the day after. I was thinking that in my head. He came in, gave me like five thousand dollars, and said, "Hey, what's this for, sir?" He said, well, "Just for you being you, who you bring to the table every day." And I just, no matter what job I was doing there, I was damn sure I was going to be the best crab cooker there was or I was going to be the best delivery driver or seafood packer or whatever so I worked my way up the ranks um did you know sales um sales manager and then I was general manager next you know um I'm running one of the biggest shellfish companies there is oh no kidding yeah so they wanted me to move to um Boston to help with our with our um Ipswich plant okay and I was absolutely not (laughs) <laughs> absolutely not I like working with you assholes once a month let alone every day uh, plus the cost of living is completely different from Maine to Boston I bet like obviously the accent's close but <laughs> cost of living is not so we agreed to disagree I put my resume online next thing you know um, I have this lady in Cleveland calling me she says hey my name's Diane I'm hired for a confidential employer in Ohio and we, we stumbled across your resume. We'd love to interview you. And I said, I appreciate it, dear. Thank you so much. But absolutely not. Right. There is no seafood in Ohio. <laughs> and uh, she's like, yeah, that's my point. So we talked for a little bit. She, she is very, very nice. Um, and then three or four days later, um, she called back again and said, hey, I, I talked to them. They're willing to fly you out. If you've got a wife, they'll fly her out. And we just like to, to meet with you guys. Um, we're like, no place you've ever seen before. And I'm like, okay. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's how it happens. It's so true though. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I can't go anywhere for a confidential employer because I have a non-compete contract and I'm, I'm sure I've already, already, you know, I'm selling to you or selling to somebody who's selling to you or whatever. Sure. So I'm like, oh, it's, uh, it's Jungle Gyms. You've heard of them, right? And I'm like, well, no, Jungle who? Right. I'm like, what? <laughs> no. So. Like playground stuff? Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Next thing you know, my wife and I are on a f- flight. We're getting ready to touch down in CVG, and I'm panicking because it's like, hey, you're in Cincinnati, but I'm in Kentucky, and what the <laughs> hell's going on? <laughs> and my wife's like, you're, you're downgrading? Like, you're going to a grocery store? Like, what are you doing? I said, no, 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 no. I, I highly doubt it. And then all of a sudden, I came in. I took the tour. And crazy. The office is a 52 Matthews fishing boat in the right. middle of the store. <laughs> well, what is this place? A $4 million ozone, you know, water purifier for the oh. live fish. Yeah. Um, and I got lost. I'm not a, I mean, I think I'm fairly intelligent. Yeah. I couldn't even find my way. I felt like a hamster. So <laughs> I said, shit, this, this place is crazy. Um, and the freedom, right? The the freedom that you get to, he treats every jungle, mm-hmm. treats every department here like a completely separate store. So that's that's what got me the most was um, I'm a fish guy. I'm not corporate. I'm not suit, tie, or any right. of that stuff. So the ability to come in, you buy what you want, whatever price, make the customers happy. I want to create this experience here that... You can't get anywhere else. 
I want it fun, cool, crazy. I don't give a shit. And I want it done your way because, you know, you've proven yourself. You got a good batting average and whatever. So uh, that's what I do. And super, super fun. I hold a high standard, but I get to train and lead my people the way I want to. And it's that same bravada, like that, that seafood fishing bravada, like nobody cares, work harder. That's my whole message yeah. to everywhere. Like nobody gives a shit about your feelings, your emotions. They don't care if your dog died. They don't care. All they care is they saw a salmon recipe last night. They wanted to make for the husband and you don't have frigging salmon in the case. So now you're an asshole. Right. Um, <laughs> so that's exactly what that we work towards. And, um, if you know, if we're not getting the results that, that we're striving for, then work harder. And, um, yeah, it, it's proven to be work out great here. And I, I, I love it. I'm super stoked and I'm glad, you know, I have the opportunity, but uh, yeah. No, I, it, I, I'm sure I'll say this in the actual lead up to playing the interview on the show, but from like the moment I met you, I was like, now here's a dude who's passionate about what he does like instantly. And I was I was hooked, dude. You came in to introduce yourself, and then like 40 minutes later, I was still like, uh-huh, this is amazing. And I have been retelling moments from that story, so I'm I'm happy to have you here so that we, and, and more happy because you kind of echoed what I hope to do on the show, too, which is educate the consumer, right? And like yeah. break the food chain, as it were. Um, before I dive too deep on that end, you mentioned about doing things big and crazy here. What are some of the things that are like such a Jungle Gyms exclusive in your department? Oh, I mean, I, at this point, we've done so many things that I have the, my crew challenge me. Like, hey, name a fish, yeah. name a fish, say I can't get it, and I'm going to put it on ice. Right. And <laughs> we, you, we got guys like, oh, I bet you can't get an arapaima. Next thing you know, here we go. We're selling arapaima. Uh, piranhas, whole sharks, whole alligators, scorpion fish, lion fish, live king crabs, live abalone. Um if you can think of it, and it's legal, yeah, right, oh, most of the time. No, <laughs> no, if it's legal and you can think about it, um, I find it as a challenge and excitement for me. I yeah. love a challenge, and we're gonna we're gonna get it in. So, you showed me a fish I didn't even know could exist uh, at Eastgate, and I saw it was here Opa. yesterday. The Opa, yeah, the yeah, Opa, warm blooded cool. fish, right? Yeah, it's the only known warm blooded fish in the world. Super, super cool fish. Um, it's dense, very good Hawaiian theme fish oh, okay. grill it with like pineapple it's amazing but oh, okay. yeah it's the only normal warm, warm blood fish takes these big pectoral fins orange fins flaps it generates blood flow and it keeps its body temperature warm so cool yeah super cool um but they all they're all cool you know and and right just I learning, like learning about, about that stuff and even looking at the but i it was, as soon as you said you're like oh warm blooded fish you're like it uses the fins to pump the yeah. blood i was just like you can kind of tell I don't know if it's like the orange coloring or whatever, but I'm like, oh yeah, no, it totally makes sense. It looks different. And so I'm like, I'm kind of loving that. I'm like, you know, just peeling back this veil of this world that I've enjoyed eating from for a long time, but Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about, you know? Yeah. The hardest part for me is I get super excited over completely different fish than anyone else. You know, I'll see a scorpion fish. I'm like, wow, look at this cool fish. And then nobody gives a shit about it. <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh, do you see that lionfish over there?" I'm like, yeah. "The lionfish? You care about the lionfish? Yeah, they're bigger brother. They're like the this will just hurt you. They right. might you may send you to the hospital. This guy will kill you, <laughs> and you don't care about the scorpion fish, right? Like stonefish, scorpion fish, lionfish. So, um, yeah, we just get excited about different fish. So that's why I bring in like whole gators, whole sharks, and 
tunas and everyone's like, oh, wow, look at this. But I like more of the exotic, hard to get, challenging species that you really could only get in other parts of the world okay. that are super, super delicacy. They're amazing fish and you might love them. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I, I don't like fish. I tried it once and I don't like it. Well, that's like saying you don't like fucking vegetables because you don't, you don't like Brussels sprouts. Right. Really? Yeah. Or I don't eat any meat because I don't like pork. That means you don't like any meat in the world. Right. So all these fish taste completely different. Absolutely. With different experiences. Some are, are flaky. Some are mild. They, you know, like, oh, I like cod because it's mild. Well, then you'll love haddock or hake or any of those things. Um, right. Um, or sword, tuna. There's so many different textures, profiles, different notes that will, that will hit with you. So I always want to challenge people to try new things um, because... I mean, so many, I've brought home so many fish and some of it's like, yeah, this is, this blows. Um, but other fish like, this is amazing. And I'd never known it unless I, you know, reached out and branched out and, and tried it. My, my three, my three-year-old son, his favorite dish is octopus. That's so cool. And, uh, he loves it. And my daughter's favorite dish is crab cakes. But, um, still, unless you put these on their palates and try them, they're yeah. never going to know. They'll never know. Like people look at octopus like, oh God, I don't even know how to cook that or right. it's disgusting or they have their their own theories about it. But if you prepare it right, give it a chance, you never, ever know. Um, and I get it. It's scary. Just like cheese is scary as hell to me. It's expensive. I go to buy it. I'll take one bite. I'm like, yeah, this sucks. I right. just wasted 20 bucks. <laughs> um <laughs> So cheese scares the hell out of me. So I understand how seafood would, would scare most people, but just try, you know, filet type, get small portions, try it out, try different ways to cook it. And it's super, super good for you. And the, be the best thing about it, it's the only wild protein you can legally sell. Like you go into jungle gyms, the only wild protein that we can buy and sell in here is seafood. It's crazy to think about, isn't it? Nobody really realizes that. And it pisses me off when it comes to like salmon. People come up, oh, is that farm raised? Yeah. Oh, I don't want that. Well, really? You got pig, you got pork, beef, chicken, turkey, peanuts. You got all this stuff in your cart. That's farm raised. Now, mine was farm raised in an ocean, cold, pristine <laughs> waters in an ocean with right. natural biofilters like coral and oysters that are filtering the water and making it so in 40 feet deep, you can see the bottom of the ocean crystal clear. Yeah. But that's not okay. But the pig that's wallowing in its own shit in a, in a 10 by it. 10 yeah. pen, oh yeah, bring it on. Bring home the bacon. So <laughs> I guess it's just educating the people, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it's super wild. It's wild and it's the only wild protein that we have and it's one we have to hold on to. So sustainability um, is super, super key with us. Because I want my kids to be able to do the same exact thing I'm doing. And if we don't treat the oceans and, and right and, and live sustainably, then they're not going to be able to. And our kids and their, their generation is not going to be able to. And we talk about farm raised to a whole nother level um, oh, yeah. when, when that comes. Oh, terrifying, uh, terrifying thought for the future. Yeah. And, and then, you know, it touches on another subject where you talk about, wow, this is wild. And then somebody comes in and like, hey, do you have any... Um, do you have any butterfish? Oh, no, sorry, I, I don't have any butterfish. Well, what do you mean? How come you don't have any butterfish? I'm like, well, they're, they're wild. They're, they're, they're wild animals. They, haven't, they didn't bite any hooks, sorry. Um, right. <laughs> it's blowing 30 to 30 knot winds out there. The, the, all the boats are hooked up, tied up. They're not fishing for them. And if they were, they'd starve because they're only making 25 cents a pound anyway. They're a bycatch, right? Yeah. So people, a lot of people don't understand like 
that factor of it. And well, how come how come swordfish is so expensive this week? Well, if twenty thousand swordfish are caught next week, the price will be pretty cheap. But if three of them are caught, the price is going to be pretty expensive. Yeah. And they don't. It's all supply and demand. But you never know. I mean, they're wild animals. Yeah, you, it's like telling a deer hunter, "Hey, I need you to go out and get a. I need an eleven point deer that's between two hundred and two hundred and ten pounds." <laughs> okay. You're right. Be happy you got a friggin' deer. Exactly. Right? So we do the best we can. And thankfully, because of where I came from, um, I have super, super close relationships. I text the fishermen directly. I know the lobster fisherman that fishes for us. I know me and him are really good buddies. We live three miles down the road from each other. No, no kidding. He lives in a, a gray and blue um, cape on Cape Jellison Road, Stockton Springs, Maine. Salt of the earth guy. Love it. Yeah, really great. Um but because of these connections, you know, I'll be like, hey, I need, I need two swordfish, two tuna, two whatever. And then they're texting me and saying, they're saying, oh, hey, Ross, we didn't get that, but we, we, got, we got three mahis. You want those? Uh, send me a picture. Yep, sure. Send them. Rock cool. So yeah, that's why our, our variety is always changing. You never know what we're going to have. Um, you come into Jungle Jams, there's certain things that you can point out. You can big Campbell swinging soup, giant cheese. Yeah. But when you get to seafood... Even if you're a local, you come here every day, I, you're not going to know what we're going to have. Yeah. Because um, I don't even know. 11 o'clock at night, I'm getting a text message. Hey, do you got some monchong. You want it? Hell yeah, I want it. Right. Um, if I got enough real estate for it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's all it goes into. And and but so what we are trying to do to try to help the customers is we put a, an online, if you go under the Jungle Gym's website and you go under seafood, it'll be like popular items. Mm-hmm. And I have both stores under there, and that's pretty much our whole fish, fillets, shellfish, um, what we have at each store. And I update it twice a week, so you can go on there, look on there, and oh, cool, yeah, you can see what we have in current inventory um, and the price of it. And it will show like some are coming in Friday, and it'll just give you a at least a, a brief rundown to what what to expect. If you, I don't want you to travel two hours and right. for something and we yeah. may not have it just because you know oh they've had walleye four weeks in a row and then you get here and we don't have walleye right. <laughs> <laughs> so i do kind of like that it always does you know shuffle up a little bit that way yes you know keeps it exciting the craziest thing about jungle gyms is i can put any fish on ice and i mean i eat breathe and sleep seafood but there's still fish i'm like what the hell is that Right. There's 63,900 fish in the ocean. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> Somebody's like, oh, how come you don't have a rabbit fish? I don't know. I don't know what the hell a rabbit fish is, but yeah. I'm going to find out. Exactly. I'm going to find out and be an expert on it and let's do it. So I bring in a rabbit fish and sure enough, some guy comes around. He's like, hey, look, you got rabbit fish. I'm like, how the hell did this guy know that? Yeah. Because he's used <laughs> we have people from all around the world that go buy my cases every single day, all day. And it doesn't matter what fish I put out there. It's somebody's favorite meal yeah and it brings back a memory like oh my grandmother used to cook this for me or a childhood memory yeah and that's what it's all about when you can create those experiences and, and genuine happiness like oh my god thank you so much I've, i haven't had this in 20 years i can't believe you brought this in here i haven't been able to find it yeah um i feel like I mean, for so many of those people almost are like did I even experience this, right? Because it's yeah. like so infrequently seen. And then when it happens, it's almost a weirdly life-changing moment when you're like, oh, the thing I've thought about for half of my life still is, you know, it still exists and I can get mm -hmm. it at home. Yeah, it's super, super cool. Gives me a really good feeling. And, and at this point in my career, it's it's more of 
coaching mentality. I'm, I'm training and coaching my staff to be knowledgeable and just trying to help the customers and educate everybody. It's not, that's my hardest part. It's not buying the fish, training the crew, doing anything. My, my hardest part is educating people and just, hey, trust me, because what right. you think you know about seafood is probably wrong. Even though you've been doing it for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, doesn't mean it's right. You've been doing it wrong 50 years, you know? <laughs> right. So, and most people are too proud to ask to, to be like, yeah, Am I like, doing oh, this no, right? no, I've been doing this for longer than you've been alive. I know what I'm talking about, huh? Yeah. But <laughs> so just trust me, open mind. I've been doing this. This is my life. I, this is all I do. 11 o'clock tonight, I'll be emailing somebody about seafood, texting pitches, something about seafood. Sure. Um, that's how I met my wife. I used to sell, she was in a fish market. Uh, she was cutting fish behind the counter. Um, that's, that's us. You know what I mean? Uh, we'd go, I'd take my kids down. They, they lived half their life in a car seat, delivering to restaurants and picking fish up from the docks. And I got so many pictures of us, you know, grabbing right off the fishermen, sharks, tunas, lobsters, um, and just delivering them to, to different wholesalers and stuff. So, and just, I guess, come in open-minded, be willing to learn, and it'll blow your mind. Yeah. Seafood will blow your mind. I love, again, I love the genuine passion. I love that you and your wife connected over a mutual passion. I think it's so cool. And, you know, and I I never like to name names, but this is something you do not get in a corporate-owned store, right? Like, if I went to the other big uh, market here in town, right? Oh, uh, no, no, no. They don't no, know no. any. They, and not to be mean to them, but it's a job, I would argue, to them rather than, yeah. like, a lifestyle. Well, it's like it. They're a super great company, and they're all great companies. Yeah, but, sure. But I, what has to happen is people suck, right? <laughs> they, no, honestly, you're people, right. People suck. They they're the hardest part. If you ask any business owner, hey, what's the hardest part of your business? Well, the people. Yeah. Right. The most. They cost the most. They're, your your mo, your payroll is is high, your highest expense. Right. And they're the hardest to manage, right? Because they're always. They always got personal issues, calling out, doing whatever. Right. So especially here in Ohio, um, in order for any corporate place to do what we do, you'd have to have 150 of me in every single store to educate, to, to cut. Are you going to bring a 600-pound tuna in, into a giant grocery store and cut it up for everybody? And, Probably and show not. Them? Right. You can't, right? Yeah. Because they don't know how to cut tuna. And there's only so many people that exist that that have the drive, the give a damn and the knowledge and, and the passion behind it. So it's, it's too hard. It's too risky. So, you know, jungles like, Hey, do you want more freezers? No, I don't want more freezers because anybody, any one of these stores buy things by the metric ton frozen. That's right. has tripoly in it, all kinds of chemicals, whatever. Um, they sell it for five cents a pound and, and there it is what it is. Um, but it's a different clientele than I'm trying to reach. I'm trying to reach, actual seafood foodies, right? Yeah. Seafood, I'm a seafood specialist. That's what I do. And I want to bring things here that you can't get anywhere else. So when you talk like lionfish, mm -hmm. um, scorpion fish, sushi grade bluefin tuna, certified organic salmon, um, you, you just name it, right? Triggerfish, doctorfish, uh, milkfish, hilsha fish. They don't have those. The reason why they don't have those is it's too hard. It's too hard to manage. It's too hard. I mean, you, it, it opens a whole big thing of worms. You have, you know, completely different vendors. You have more invoices to pay. You have different fish that you have to cut up, fillet, um, real estate that you have to try to figure out where you're going to put it in the store. Oh, yeah. um, so fresh is hard. It's very hard. Um, 
it's usually the most profitable because it's the hardest, right? Um, but that's why they don't do it. It's too much risk involved. So they just step back like, hey, we're going to stick to frozen. Sure. And that's what it is. It makes sense too. I mean, especially because like the, the, the spread and reach, it's going to be hard. Like you said, it's hard to all kind of automate all that, right? Yeah. And, and then especially they have like these big, you know, like a hub headquarters. Like mm-hmm. we, I used to sell to them. I used to sell to all kinds of these huge giant grocery chains. Yeah. And, you know, they have to pre-pack it, tray, tray pack and all that stuff. But if you can imagine a, a fresh fish going into one location and then then it gets branched out to like 10 different stores through there. Mm-hmm. It's very, very hard to like make it personable to have that story. So we have fish here. Um, we have some of our, some of our fishermen are, go, mm-hmm. are outfitted with GoPros. They take, for instance, a tuna. Um, we had one of the guys that, um, from Freeport, Maine, caught a, caught a tuna, filmed it coming in. We have that film up on our TV mm-hmm. with a fish right on ice. That's so, so cool. So, <laughs> yeah. So here's a video of the fish being reeled in. Yeah. Here's the fish. I'm going to cut it up. And then Tim, one of my guys that works for me, he, he, he cooks like a bastard. He's going he's gonna to cook it up. You can sample it. And it's for sale right here for $23.99. So right. you get the whole experience. You can, you can watch the fish be reeled in. That's so cool. See it on ice. You can watch it be cut up. You can buy it and you can taste it all right here right now. You can't get that experience there. You just can't. It's, they're too big. Right. right. So Jungle Gyms, the best thing that I like about it is it's big company capability, but small company feel. Right. You get that mom and pop type touch where we know our customers. Oh, hey, you want two Branzini filleted, right? Skin off. Hey, yeah. How'd you know? Because you come in every Thursday and you get the same damn thing. Right. <laughs> but, but no, we know all of our customers. They text me. Um, they text. They they all have a favorite person they like waiting on them, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, same mom and pop feel, right? But we can buy 85,000 pounds of snow crab and, and know when to stand up and duck. Because they are wild, um, we can typically, I can typically do it better than the competition. Because... They're not seafood guys. They're not fish guys. They're corporate, whatever. Right. But yeah, I need two weeks to it. Yeah, I need two weeks supply, two weeks supply, two weeks supply. Well, guess what? The ocean's changed every six hours. Yeah. It, it is different, you know, um, whether it be weather, tides, fishing, temperatures, it's all changed. So they're like, I like to compare them to like big tanker ships. Mm-hmm. By, some, by the time something changes, takes them two weeks to turn to react to it with all their stores that they have. Right. And by the time they do react to it, it's already over. We're on to something else. Yeah. Where Jungle Gyms is like, kind of like a jet ski. We can go in, out, move, and that's what we do. I, f- perfect example. Soup. We had a lot of catfish that were just landed. Okeechobee Lake, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, way more than we were expected. They say, hey, Ross, we don't want these to go to waste. Can you help us out? We'll, we'll, we'll pass savings on to you. You know, what can you take them at? I'm like, well, I don't know. Whatever I can, I'm going to offer that that sale to the customer. The cheaper I can offer them, the more the more they'll sell. So that's exactly what we're doing. We're helping them out. So I, we got some some beautiful catfish on the way. They'll be here in like three hours. Um, we're awesome. gonna, we're going to rock them out at four ninety nine, and oh, they'll sell out. And we got like five hundred pounds coming. Um, they'll sell out in like three hours, four hours. But yeah. that's what we're doing. Just trying to help everybody because seafood. Everybody thinks it's some big giant, like, oh, I can buy seafood anywhere. No, you can't. It is a pyramid. It is, it starts at the top and it's all about who you know because seafood is coming from somebody that goes to somebody that goes to somebody. And I am here today 
because of the relationships that I've built and cultured along my way. And I've been very, very fortunate. Um, and I, I'll never take it for granted that some of the biggest seafood companies in North America have, have, you know, I've proved myself through hard work and work ethic, but they've taken me under their wing and showed me the ropes, like the real raw behind the scenes, like they've let me in. And, and I, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here where I am now, but it is all about who you know and the relationships that you build over time. And, you know, I came here around the fish company and 20 years from now, I'm still going to be around the fish company. And, and, but it's those same exact people. We're all doing the same thing. You know, they're all my best friends and we go to dinner, we go to Bruins games, we do whatever it is. But, but for that reason, um, we typically get it at a better price. And because knowing when to stand up and duck and who's going to help us 52 weeks a year, yeah. we're not price guys. We don't buy on price. I don't never buy on price. I can make it cost whatever you want. I add all kinds of water. I'll make it cost whatever you want. <laughs> it, it's about quality, right? I can sure. sell anything once. I got to sell it over and over and over again. I want those people to come in and be like, hey, this is the best piece of salmon I've ever had. I'm going there for my seafood from now on. That's what I want. Right. Um, so when I first, again, when we first met, yeah. you told me a lot about freshness, right? And I learned, for example, that fish typically lasts a lot longer than the 12 hours it seems to in my fridge. <laughs> and I think that might be because I'm buying it from the wrong people. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm letting you loose on that one. Yeah, exactly, right? So um, it just touches again. The hardest part of my job is educating, and, and especially people that don't really want to be educated. Just come in with an open mind. My biggest question every single day, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll come off the boat and I'll walk through, and somebody be like, hey, when did this come in? And I'm like, honestly, dear, it, does, it doesn't really matter when it came in. And like, wow, this guy's an asshole. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to be. I'm sorry, but hold on. Do you got a second? Let me explain it to you. Because the reason why it doesn't matter when it came in is because perfect example is when I got here at Jungle Gyms. Um, I'm not going to say any company's names, but we used to get delivered by three different companies mm -hmm. and they would deliver six to seven days a week. And but. They were getting the same item that I was selling them. I was selling it from multiple different sources. So what what, yeah. what honestly happens is when I said seafood is such a small world and it's like a pyramid, it, it truly is. So I used to buy mussels from, say, Jonesport, Maine. I would buy them. I would sell them into Boston. And then Boston would, or Ipswich, I'd sell them into Ipswich. Ipswich would sell them to Boston. Boston's would sell them to, say, Cleveland or Cincinnati or wherever. And then that fish company would deliver six to seven days a week at Jungle Gyms. And the customer would come in. Hey, when did this come in? Oh, it just came in this morning. Oh, perfect. That means it's super fresh. I'll take some. Yeah, but it's 10 days old because right. it sat in their cooler for two days. It sat in my cooler for two days. It sat in Boston's cooler for two days. And then, you know, that's the vicious cycle behind it. And then, but... When I came here, I'm like, no, nah, screw all these people. I'm going to buy it from the same people I always bought it from. And yeah. we own it super cheap. And that's why you can get, how come I, you know, I just went to Florida the other day and I went to Texas. Both places had grouper for one was $32.99 and one was $29.99. Well, we have grouper all day, every day for $19.99. Well, how can you get grouper in Ohio cheaper than you can get it where it comes from, right? So, oh, something must be wrong with it. Must be previously frozen. Must no, it's just the connections. We're not getting it through five different people. Right. I literally have fishermen texting me all day, different fishermen from all around the country saying, Ross, we got this, we got this, we got this. And we get it for the best price and we get it super cheap. But what that means is we'll get a direct shipment 
that will come in, the company will deliver, and, you know, somebody will ask, hey, when did that come in? Oh, it came in three days ago. Ah, geez, you know. Now, I'll wait till you get fresher stuff. Oh, that, that sucks to be you, because that, that was swimming four days ago. Right. But they don't understand it, right? So when we buy Super Direct, it it comes in. It was, like I said, it was here, here three days ago. It was it was swimming four days ago. They just don't understand the concept. Where So I wish everyone would not ask, when did this come in? Because it honestly, it truly does not matter when it came in. Right. Look at the fish. Let the fish do the talking, right? Um, it is very, very hard to make chicken shit look into chicken salad. It really is. <laughs> um, so the best thing with seafood is eye appeal. Eye appeal is buy appeal. If it looks good, it's probably good, right? Um, when it comes to whole fish, everybody looks at the eyes. Like, oh, I can just look at the eyes and it's clear eyes. But that's not true because I can thaw some beautiful fish out right now that are going to have beautiful clear eyes. Yeah. You're like, oh, look at these, how fresh these are. Yeah, I pulled them out of the freezer six hours ago. They're not fresh. So <laughs> the first thing you should look at is the elasticity of the skin. And it doesn't matter where you buy your fish. You can buy your fish here at Jungle Jams or wherever you buy them. Tell whoever you, that's behind that counter, say, hey, and it's a whole fish. Say, hey, can you press on that fish real quick? And watch how quick it bounces back. So if everybody, like, took their finger, pressed on the forearm, they're going to see how quick that, that skin snaps back. Right, them. like the elasticity, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, you're, try it. You're super fresh. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah look at that. Oh, look at that. Yeah, look at Snapping that. Snapping right back. Right, so, but... <laughs> I've as been here fish, for three days. <laughs> <laughs> as the fish gets older, it's going to leave an indentation, right? Your fingerprint's going to stay in that fish. And the longer it takes to snap back, the, the older that fish is. Um, and the next thing you look at is the gills, right? Everyone should kind of know that. But the gills, the redder, the nice, the, the brighter red the gills, uh, the fresher that fish is, right? What you don't want is like a brown, dirty, dirty brown, dark brown gill, um, that could either mean it was thawed out or, or it's old. Okay. But, it, but if you, if it passes all those tests, you look at, all right, skin snapping back really quick. The gills look good. The eyes look good. It's a good fish. It doesn't matter what the guy behind the counter says. Don't even listen to him. He probably doesn't know what he's talking about anyway. So don't worry about that. Let the fish do the talking. And if it looks good, it's probably good, especially with your fillets, like swordfish, tuna, okay. mahi, stuff like that. Um, it, if it looks bad, don't buy it. It probably is bad. Um, and another thing when I come to Ohio is like the IE tuna. I want this, you know, fresh IE tuna. You guys used to sell it. It's beautiful. It's pink in the case. Yeah, yeah, it's pink. It'll stay pink for two weeks in your case too. But the only, it's not it's not natural coloring. It, it's it's artificial. It's it's treated with carbon monoxide. It's a CO treated um, tuna, so it gives it that fake pink look. Um, it's not the real deal. Yeah, it's sushi grade or whatever. Which I would assume then it's probably the same when you see the really bright orange salmon, for example, right? Exactly, right. And and I would imagine that so many of us listening right now, mm -hmm. myself included, oh, of yeah. course, would be that type that's like, wow, look how brightly colored it is. That's probably good news. Yeah, we all want to get into the salmon conversation. <laughs> I eventually do want to get into yeah, the salmon yeah. conversation. <laughs> but it, it, it does touch the same things, right? Um, That's like the farm race piece of it. But so... Yes, you're used to eating the ahi tuna, the CO treated, but you don't really understand. You didn't know. Like, oh, wow, I never knew that. But we have sushi-grade bluefin tuna, and guess what? It's going to look like shit in three days. That's how fresh it is. Right. <laughs> That's exactly how fresh it is. It looks like fire right now. Right. It looks awesome, but it's not going to because there's no chemicals. It is, it's never been touched. It's not treated. Um, same thing with some of the shrimp we carry. 
you know, I can eat shrimp um, that have been treated in tripoly. Almost every shrimp that you're ever going to eat, it's been, been touched in tripoly some way, shape, or form. Really? Um, what does that do for it? Uh, it helps with shelf life, right? It also turns a thousand pounds into like twelve hundred pounds. Oh, so okay, yeah, you're not really it. always right. getting what you pay for. So everything is cocaine, right? Like it's Every, just <laughs> everything. Everything's getting stepped on eventually. That's what I was just thinking the whole time. I was like, oh, okay, this is narcos, right? Yeah, but you you usually get what you pay for, unless yeah. you know. Um, but with the salmon piece, it goes the same thing, right? Um, yes, salmon is farm raised. All Atlantic salmon is farm raised, or it's illegal. So some people are like, oh, I get Atlantic salmon fresh. No, you don't. Or you're, <laughs> it's illegal. <laughs> you know, you can recreationally go out and catch one, but there's no commercial fish around it because they're they're endangered or whatever. So um, we do have fresh Alaskan, you know, salmon when the season comes. But other than that, when it's not in season, they're wild animals. There is a season. There's regulations. If there wasn't, there would be none. Right. So outside of that season, you're limited to previously frozen or farm-raised. Now... Everybody comes in like, oh, geez, now farm raising, farm raising is amazing. Thai salmon yeah. um, from Oraking, best salmon in the world. Amazing salmon. Um, farm raised. Okay. It's like 40 bucks a pound. Sure. But it's farm raised, right? <laughs> and the reason why it's so good, and, and all of these good, is because salmon farming was developed by Norway like 40, 50 years ago, but they also perfected it. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure they 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 did things that weren't good at first. You know, it looked like a puppy mill running, and there all kinds of salmon flopping around each other. And because <laughs> what are they trying to do? They're trying to stuff as many of the pens right. to get them to market as quick as they could. Yeah, and um, it didn't work out well for them. Uh, but yeah, they so they perfected it. Right, um, Norway kind of went on went out and said, "Hey, we're we're going to use utilization rules, so we're not we're carrying a carrying capacity in our pens, so we're not going to raise as many salmon in our pens." Um, if they hold a hundred, we're only going to raise 45. Okay. Perfect. So then the, the, the environmentalists, the people were a little bit happier about that. So then next thing you know, they're, you know, they're raising in copper nets because the copper doesn't, there's no al algae doesn't grow to copper. Oh, okay. But then they're finding it was hurting the, the wild langostinos in Norway. And they said, well, geez, this sucks. We can't do that long term. We can't do that. So right. they said, we're going to have to use nylon netting, but nylon netting, it, al algae grows to it. Well, we're going to have to hire divers and go down and clean our nets three, four times a week. It is what it is. Right. Um, so they did that. And then, you know, they treat antibiotics for sea lice. Sea lice is like ticks okay. to a deer, like a moose or anything like that. So ticks on an animal, kind of like sea lice to salmon. Um, so they used to treat pump them full of antibiotics because you get so many on these things, they'll, just, they'll suffer and, and die in diseases. So... They, they figured out that reese fish eat sea lice. Oh. So, hey, we're going to raise reese fish in with our <laughs> salmon. They're going to eat the sea lice, and we don't have to treat for any antibiotics. But it, it can go on and on and on. But what I'm trying to say is anytime something good from the environment, the fish, or the people comes out, it's always Norway. Norway leads it. And then Interesting. four, five, six, seven years later, other people copy it. So I'll get, I'll get this company in. Hey, I'm from whatever... And uh, our, we don't raise, we, we raise our fish in nylon nettings, yeah, you and everyone else. So it's, it's just marketing at that point. But what I want to say is all of the fish that we have here at Jungle Gyms is, it doesn't matter what kind of salmon you buy, um, Norway, Faroe Island, Scottish, it's all antibiotic free, no growth hormones, all fed human grade fish trimmings. 
right? So what gave salmon farming a super bad rep was the Chilean salmon, right? And it's the cheapest, it's the most sold salmon in the world. Okay. It's the cheapest salmon you can buy. And that's what you buy at every, every big chain store, right? And you're never going to know that it's Chilean salmon. Um, because they don't, they're not going to say, Hey, we got, we got shit salmon for sale. Right. They're going to say <laughs> we have Atlantic salmon yeah. for sale. Cause they don't want to come out and say it with this Chilean. Right. So if you look at the bottom of the tags, usually say product of Chile in like two font, right. Color <laughs> added. And, uh, but it, Me hey, writing my name on the board in grade school. Yeah. 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 So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, well, it, that's what it is. So they'll say Atlantic salmon. I'll have customers. Do you have an Atlantic salmon? Yeah. It's all Atlantic salmon. Every, yeah. every one of you're a human. I'm a human. Right, yeah. You're from Ohio. I'm from Maine. Whatever. So, it's just depend. They're all Atlantic salmon, but it depends on where they're raised. And different countries have a lot different standards and higher standards. So, any of those European countries, you got Norway, Faroe Islands, Scotland, Ireland, amazing fish. You can't go wrong, right? Okay. Water. The water is super cold. They got a high fat content. They do they, for the most part. They do everything the right way um, for longevity. Now you have what what I was talking about with Chilean salmon is, Hey, we're going to feed our salmon chicken meal and we're going to get them really big, really quick. So we can make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but it's super cheap. And I would say probably 90 out of a hundred restaurants, supermarkets or anything buy by price. Like I have yeah. salmon for $11 and I have salmon for $6. Yeah. Give me the $6. Nobody right. gives a shit. Okay. And that's what you're stuck with it. But when you, you're going to know, even without, I can spot it for, 20 feet away, you're going to know without even looking at the tags because it's an artificial orange. It's a bright, artificially orange. You look at it and the, the top of it's kind of like porous on it because okay. it's, it's because it came from Chile. So it put, it was put on a, it was right to the brink of frozen. It was put on a container ship. It was up, you know, it, it's been two weeks. So that touches on another thing. Salmon's really from, from the day to harvest, salmon's good for like 20, 25 days. That's insane. And then everyone's like, oh, bullshit. This guy's full of shit because it only lasts two days in my refrigerator. Right. Yeah, but it's because it's, it's like 15 to 20 days old before you even get it. <laughs> right. right. It's on a container ship out in the middle of the ocean. So, but ours aren't. So any of those European ones, they're all same day aired into Boston for us. Wow. So that's why we have that super, super good um, um, shelf life with all of our fish is by getting it direct as possible, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but that does touch another thing about, like, I just bought some OPA, and I was pissed off. I put it in the door of my refrigerator, and two days later, it was, it was garbage. It was garbage. Uh, it was in the door of my refrigerator. Like, what do I expect? I open the door. It goes to 50 degrees, like, you know. Sure. So it, it, it's not held at the same standards that we have. We have ours cold. It's on ice. It's super cold. But if right. you keep your fish in your refrigerator, put a bag around it. Don't let the ice, like, touch it directly because mm -hmm. it, it will bleach it. It will water okay. it down. So put it in a bag, put it around ice. It, it's going to, your shelf life is going to, on a fresh fish, be three, four, five, six days. It all That's depends. awesome. Yeah. Um, as opposed to the normal day or two that you're normally getting it, and it's just where you put it in your fridge and how you store it. But your refrigerator is by no means efficient. Um, right. Not as much as, the, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Before I go, uh, the artificial orange color, what are they like? pushing krill or something like how do they get the bright weird yeah, color well so like salmon naturally like a flamingo right they're colored okay. by for what they eat they eat shrimp and krill and that that's what turns the pigment of their skin you know orange right or pink um but 
obviously it's not gonna it's not gonna chicken meal isn't gonna change your skin <laughs> right so that's why you have to add you have to add color additive in it to make oh. it to make it an okay. orange but the problem is it's so artificial that we can tell I yeah, can tell. It looks like a highlighter. Right, right. Exactly. And now that I know, I'm like, oh, I'm almost yeah, that's myself. That that's you know what, what I mean? Is. Yeah, and side by side, you can you can definitely tell the marbling, the fat content. You look at ours, and it our salmon, it doesn't matter what kind of salmon you buy, um, has like white pinstripes in it. That's the fat. That's the marbling in it. That's what you're looking for. Um, and wild salmon doesn't have that, right? Oh. So they're swimming around looking for the next meal. They're, they're wild animals. Right. You know, right? They're, it's not like they're just sitting back getting fed grapes, eating fat and, you know, getting fat and happy. Our salmon are in pens in the ocean. They're not raised indoor. They're not raised in, in, in friggin' swimming pools or anything like that. They're raised in the cold ocean waters and they're swimming around. They're getting fed, hand fed. Most of them are all hand fed, especially Westeros. They're all hand reared, really, really good quality fish. Um, but they're just swimming around. They're not. They're not congested. They, they don't have to worry about the next meal. They're just sitting there getting really big, really, really nice and fat. And and they're older fish. They're not. They're not six, seven, eight months old, right? So it gives those flavors and oils time to mature and develop. So when you get that flavor profile, it's like, wow, this is really, really nice. And that's a completely different experience. So that's what you'll get with any of our salmon here. Um, I know a lot of people are kind of pissed off that I did away with the Faroe Island salmon for now. Like, ah, oh, you know, I, I love Faroe Island. I used to get this all-natural Faroe Island. <laughs> but if you like Faroe Island, you'll like any of them. And yeah. the reason why we did it is because of the sustainability thing that I touched on before. Um, so all these countries, U.S., everybody included, they all sign a treaty saying, hey, we're not going to kill whales, we're not going to kill dolphins, we're going to protect the environment. Um, but what has happened is is... The Fairlands do usually go on a, a you know, a, a yearly spiritual whale killing ritual. Like, and yeah, and uh, they do this ritual every year. Kills 40, 50, 60 whales, some dolphins, um, and you know we've kind of let it slide a little bit, playing under that ritual card. Right. But I believe it was September the twelfth. They found a super pod which is a giant, like, school of dolphins. Yeah. And they slaughtered 1,428 dolphins. And, um, you know, everybody brings up the treaty, and they're like, well, you can wipe your ass with the treaty. Like, they don't really, well, okay, if you don't care, then I don't care, right? But it's not just like they're catching these things on hook and line, and, and, and they actually take boats, beach these things. They, like, drive them up on the beach, and they slaughter these things. So, I mean, you Google it, Faroe Island, Whale and Killing, do whatever you want. Images are pretty graphic, but it will paint the ocean blood red. Um, but if we allow that to happen with dolphins and whales and all that stuff, then next is swordfish and tuna and mahi right. and everything else that, that we love. And it's just I don't feel it's right, and neither did any of my friends. So we're like, hey, if you don't support the same thing in the same oceans that we support, we're no longer going to support you. Yeah. So Hit them in the wallet. Yeah. They'll, they'll pay attention to that. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Or they won't, but right. I'm not eating their salmon. So. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. No, for and sure. awful. I can't even imagine. I, think, I mean, I don't, I don't think I have any traditions I hold so dearly that I'm like, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to slaughter 1,400 dolphins over All right. it. But you know what? I do Christmas a little different at my house. So. Yeah. No, but, uh, oh, my God. Ross, this has been captivating, to say it mildly. 
and and I I would like to just keep bringing you back if you're into it because mm-hmm. I'd like to do some stuff in detail on like sustainability and uh, I know oysters was a big thing here for a while. I feel like if I get you started on any of these oh, topics, yeah. I'll kill your entire afternoon. Yeah, um, man, I could talk about seafood for days. So you, most I love people it. like, dude, you got to shut up. Like you got to shut the hell up. No, I don't. And I don't <laughs> want you to. It's like that thing where I'm like, oh, this is again, I, like, but you can tell I've been riveted the whole time. I've just been like nodding my head for an hour. Yeah, <laughs> But if anybody wants any seafood, right? If you want like the special fish and you're like, wow, I saw this on TV. I saw this on chopped. I saw this wherever. I really want to try this fish. Yeah. Let us know. Like, um, I'm not going to give my email out, but you can <laughs> yeah. let us know. Give my email. Um, email me, and I will get that fish for you. I will do my damnedest best effort I can to, cool. to get that fish and to get you that experience. So just because we don't have it on ice, that absolutely doesn't mean we, we don't have it or can't okay. get it. I think that's a challenge I'm going to take now, too. Yeah, man. It just, I mean... You'll know it. I feel like I'm not going to do good enough at this challenge already. I can already That's hear you. Be right. like, I've heard of that. I can find it. I'm like, damn it. But I'll work on that. I think that'd be fun. And then we could like try it on the show together. I got some mantis shrimp. I got mantis shrimp back there. Oh, I don't even. I, it's I mean, like I, the strongest animal in the world. Like packs its, its, its punch is the strongest. It's like a equivalent of a 22 caliber rifle yeah really super super oh, I'm cool gonna go check that out go actually. check man shrimp out but yeah um <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> i could i could talk for days about different what we have oh my gosh yeah well let's do that i mean if you're if you're down i i did i hope you enjoyed this because i definitely did yeah so yeah it's fun podcasts yeah. are awesome yeah appreciate it i've never even listened to a podcast before so I'm well, uh, I'm doing, hopefully but. you'll listen to this one <laughs> <laughs> i don't know maybe i shouldn't wasn't that great? Wasn't he incredibly interesting to listen to? I love, I'm a passion wrangler here. That's what I like about this job. You get to meet people like Ross, who's like literally a master of his craft. The guy is part seafood. I joked when I first met him, I was like, you're like the closest thing to a pirate I have ever met. And I'm here for it. Incredibly talented. We have such good stuff here in the store. So come in, come say hi to Ross, go get some seafood from him. Okay. You can high five me on the way in, maybe through the glass. Well, another episode of the books. I hope you all are enjoying. We've got just one more episode left for 2021. That's amazing. I can't wait for it, too. It's going to be great. We've got all kinds of fun stuff coming up on the show. And you know what? I want to keep growing into 2022. So I know I mentioned my email at the top of the show, but podcast at junglegyms.com. Let me know what you want to see on the show. I've been really appreciating your reviews. I've appreciated all the support and kindness you've shown me. So let's just make this baby huge, okay? I mean, I don't want a huge baby. I don't want any babies at all. I would just like this proverbial baby that is the show to be huge. That's my goal. Now, I'll still have a steady stream of episodes for you, but I'm pretty excited about this. I'm going to Las Vegas around New Year's Eve for a couple of days. So I'm hoping I'll have some interesting stories to tell from that time too. If you'd like to hear them, I don't know. I feel like that's a thing. I feel like we're growing. We're building what they call a parasocial relationship, okay? So while I'm going to ask you all to just stay jealous in the meantime, because I haven't traveled in like two years, but I also want to wish you all a very happy holiday. I know we've got a a very popular one coming up this week, and it's that time of year, right? A little holiday action. So have fun. You know what? Listen to this with your friends and family. You'll be spending time with them. Just crank it up and let me do all the talking. That way you don't have to have any awkward conversations. You all can just drink and eat the fruitcake that we tried out last week and all that good stuff that you got here at Jungle Gyms. Okay? Well, come visit. You know, we've got all kinds of shopping options. It's always fun right after the holidays. Come in. Scream at me. You know, it's going to be a great time. But for real, thank you all so much for listening. As always, I'll see you out there in the aisles. The Jungle Gyms podcast is recorded in the WJJI studio inside Jungle Gyms International Market in Fairfield, Ohio. 
The Jungle Gyms Podcast is produced and hosted by Mark Borison.